On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about the question of whether or not trading naked is really more risky. Before I go on, just a quick disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, if you haven't already, you should go back and listen to episode 19 in which we got into notional value and the idea of risk in theory versus risk in practice. This episode is probably can be thought of as an extension to that conversation. Uh, There's just a few more things that I wanted to touch on specifically in relationship to these topics, but also addressing uh, the differences between trading defined risk or spreads versus trading naked. So one thing that you have to consider is that when you're trading a spread, you're naturally trading more legs, right? So a credit spread is two legs and iron condor with with both sides is four legs. So there's going to be more fees that you pay, uh, which naturally reduce the um, profitability. Uh, Not that this increases the risk per se, but it's just something to keep in mind, but also the amount of slippage. So, you know, adjusting, rolling, you know, single leg options is going to be more liquid and just easier to execute. In some cases with spreads, for example, uh, you may not even be able to get a fill or get out. Uh, just one example, uh, with the credit spread, if you have a wing that's pretty far out, you might have something where you don't notice, but there's no liquidity on that long leg, right? And in which case, trying to close the spread as a whole or rolling it, that leg won't even fill. So you actually have to basically just leave that long leg by itself and adjust just a short leg so that's just you know for example something that new traders may not account for so just overall complexity um, from an execution and a management standpoint all go up when you're trading spreads now one other thing that is very important is some newer traders may believe that with defined risk because you're capping the maximum loss you don't need any additional risk management. Um, So I wanna give a a simple example just to show that this isn't always gonna be the case. So today is August 9th, 2021. I'm looking on the chain here. I'm looking at a September 17th credit spread in SPY, so it's about 39 DTE. Uh, The short leg is at the 430 strike. This is a credit put spread. So 430 short leg, 427 long. It's about 30 delta for the short um, put and 26 delta for the long put. So it's a $3 wide credit spread. And right now it's, it's after hours, so I don't know how accurate this is, but it's it's collecting 50 cents. I think it's pretty, pretty accurate. So $3 wide credit spread collecting 50 cents. So your maximum profit is 50 cents and your maximum loss is $2.50 if the position goes against you fully in the money at expiration. So with the short leg at 430, and the 50 cent credit, your break even point for SPY is basically 429.5, right? So you start losing money when it goes below that point and you'll take maximum loss if SPY goes below 427. Now, for simplicity's sake, I'm just gonna assume that anywhere if the stock landed in between the 427 and 430, you're just gonna scratch, right? You're gonna really have a, a either a partial win or a partial loss, but it, well, let's just assume a scratch. So with the short leg being at 30 delta you basically have a 70 percent chance of being out of the money right 30 delta approximately is 30 percent chance in the money so 70 percent 
win rate where you're just going to be free and clear collect the entire 50 cents so when we're calculating expectancy we're going to multiply the the win expectancy and subtract out the loss expectancy so it's very straightforward so 70 percent win rate with 50 percent or 50 cent max profit we multiply that out and subtract the uh, loss percentage times the max loss of 250 so remember the long leg is at 26 delta in this case so it's a 26 percent chance of being in the money and if that long leg is in the money right it's a total loser so we take the 26 percent chance multiply by 250 so the equation becomes 0.7 or 70 percent times 50 cents minus 0.26 or 26 percent times 250 if you if you add that up write that out just subtract it you actually get negative 0.3 right so you essentially without any management you have a 30 cent negative expectancy on this trade so um and ironically tastyworks actually shows the, the pop at 67 percent, which is even lower but the point being is that you have to actually manage that position either uh, some combination of profit taking or stop loss or some kind of management right you can't just leave it alone and assume that it's going to be positive expectancy right the fact that it's defined risk isn't the point the point is without management you you, you statistically won't expect to make money on that in the long term so obviously naked positions also require management right it's no different but the way i look at it is if you buy a wing okay and you're capping that loss that's almost um kind of a red herring it, it's misleading because again like i said you need to manage that trade regardless so with the naked position when you manage it right you're not buying that wing to begin with so you're not paying that debit right you get the full credit net credit for the short so you know when you manage it's almost like if the position moves against you then you manage and you either stop out or you, you do something and you adjust it it's almost like buying that um that wing or or paying that debit to adjust the trade only when you need it right and statistically speaking depending on the delta if your win rate is in a 70 80 85 percent most of the time you're not going to need to adjust it right so you're not going to be leaving that extra debit on the table um every single time where where you are if you just buy that wing so that's kind of how i view the difference uh, of the management side and whether or not you're paying that of course there's capital uh constraints right you're you are reducing the buying power requirement but but again it's at a very high cost and in my opinion is you're basically overpaying so one one thing to think about is uh if you've heard of the uh the volatility smile right the implied volatility goes up the further you go away from the money so when you sell premium or if you believe there's edge in selling premium well as the <coughs> premium seller so there's edge in the short leg but you're basically paying back or giving up that same edge in fact even more on the long leg because the long leg is further out and thus more implied volatility so the theory is relatively speaking you're paying even more for that long leg than you are collecting um price wise for the short leg so anyways and one other thing to to keep in mind and you can get the details for this in episode three of this podcast which talks about some considerations for trading defined risk but essentially the behavior of a spread can morph as you get closer to expiration so and just like i talked about uh, a few seconds ago about um selling and buying at the same time you're kind of negating that edge 
a lot of the Greeks at entry, you know, you have a, if you have a naked put spread, not a naked put spread, but a, a credit put spread. So the the short put, right, you have long delta, and the long put, you have short delta. So the deltas sort of negate themselves to a certain degree, right? The short leg is uh, short vega, the long leg is long vega, so those kind of negate themselves. And uh, the theta also kind of negates, right? You have positive theta on the short leg and negative on the long leg. So those tend to kind of cancel out and it mutes the movement and everything kind of moves a little slower. But as you get closer to the expiration, that long leg, depending on how far out, is going to go start to go worthless and be less reactive uh, to movement of the underlying, whereas your short leg is going to be you know, more reactive. So the whole position starts to act and behave almost like a naked position at that point. Um, so one way to look at this is if uh, we look at the example I used in episode 19, the last one, right? So a very simple example. Uh, let's say there's a stock ABC trading at price 10. And let's look at trading uh, one naked put at strike 10, right, at the money versus 10 at the money credit spreads, right? $10 short, $9 long, right? Both of them have uh, $1,000 of uh, notional risk, right? The naked $10 put, right, 10 times 100 is 1,000, whereas the 10 credit spreads, each have $100 of risk, but you're selling 10 of them, so it's $1,000 max risk. Again, this is the idea of, of risk in theory versus risk in practice. But let's look at what actually happens as the stock moves down below $10, right? If you have one naked put at price 10, and the stock goes down, right? You're getting the exposure of uh, presumably 100 shares of that stock, right? The, if the stock goes down $1, you lose $100 because you only have one contract of that naked put. Right, the stock actually has to go all the way down to zero for you to lose the whole thousand dollars for that one naked put. But with ten credit spreads, once it goes into money, right, and it, like I said, with further data options, that that ten dollar short and the nine dollar long, they're gonna kind of pad each other a bit, so you're not losing that full amount as the stock moves down. But let's think about the moment of, you know, let's say right before expiration, okay. So let's say right before expiration, that stock is at 10, right? You have 10 credit spreads. The moment the stock starts going down below 10, at that moment in time, again, if you're close to expiration, that $9 long that you have is not really going to do anything. So as the stock goes below 10, because you have 10 credit spreads, rather than losing, you know, um, basically a dollar at a time for each point, that the stock's moving down. You're losing 10 times because you have 10 contracts, right? So whereas instead of losing $100, if the stock moves from 10 to 9, you're going to lose the entire $1,000, right? Because if that stock goes from 10 to 9, you've lost $100 times 10 because of the 10 contracts. So the way I think about it is you are leveraged essentially 10x exposure to that underlying right with your 10 credit spreads and, and the other way i think about it is like yes your notional and max risk for the naked put one contract is the same as the 10 contracts of the credit spread but the volatility of your account your portfolio and the reaction to the underlying movement 
is leverage. You have that leverage volatility exposure to the underlying by virtue of the 10 contracts. So now again, if you have a thousand dollar account, I'm not saying you no. Know, well, you shouldn't do the you know, 10 contracts of this credit spread, but I just want to show you the idea of that leverage effect and how credit spreads really are just leverage, right? So maybe you have a capital constraint. You can't trade naked for whatever reason. Um, and you maybe don't have a choice, right? You have to trade credit spreads. Otherwise, you can only do one or two trades and all your buying power is gone or and you want to do kind of more underlying and have some diversification. But at the same time, you need to recognize that that wing, right, doing the credit spread, yes, it curbs the buying power and thus gives you that capital efficiency. But in the end, capital efficiency just means leverage, right? And the issue is that um, because newer traders typically start with large, uh, sorry, smaller accounts, which means they have to do credit spreads for that capital efficiency, but they don't quite understand the risk. And maybe depending on how they learn about credit spreads or, you know, the idea with the defined risk and thinking that they don't need to manage it, they kind of conflate the capital efficiency aspect with thinking it's risk management, right? But it's not. Those are two <laughs> separate issues. And in fact, the capital efficiency by virtue of leverage is it what's actually increasing the potential risk, right? And if you further think because of the defined risk nature, you don't need to manage it. Oh, I know my max loss and presumably I have accepted it. Or whether or not you accept the risk or not is not the issue because like we showed an example earlier, if the expectancy is negative, it doesn't matter if you ex accept that amount, right? You might accept that I could lose $100 on a spread, but I'm sure you wouldn't accept it if I told you, hey, you're not going to make money over the long term doing this, right? So those are the kind of ideas you need really need to wrap around, you know, wrap your brain around that spreads are for leverage and spreads, just like naked positions, still need risk management, okay? So at the end of the day, I'm not saying that there's no place for defined risk trades, and clearly, new traders shouldn't jump in right into doing naked trades. But for example, if you're doing something speculative like an earnings trade on a really volatile underlying, right, it may make sense to cap your tail risk. You don't want to, even though, you know, it's high IV and you think it's going to be, you know, the, the move's going to be less than the implied volatility or whatever. And even if you're really far out, you just don't want to take the risk of that huge, you know, multiple standard deviation moves. So, you know, you cap the risk. Um, so at the end of the day, the important thing to know is that the risk, you know, again, the idea of the risk in theory versus risk in practice, right? Understanding both, you know, will let you uh, have a more informed decision on which one you want to do and how much risk you're really taking on. Okay. So the, the takeaway here is don't assume that just because your risk is defined that you're taking quote unquote less, less risk. Okay. So anyways, let's leave it there for today. Um, as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's available on most of the major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 
You can also find more of my content on my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you can find all of my strategy mechanics, trade logs, as well as essays I've written on different topics and other podcasts that I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.